they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome with the Bible with the Barbers. I'm honored to be here with my wife. And I want to just thank you because the Bible is something that, as Catholics, sometimes people say to us, you Catholics don't know the Bible. You don't read the Bible. And I say, wait a minute. Have you ever been to Mass? Yes. Well, what do you think we read? Uh, You know, going home or gone with the wind? (laughs) No, we read the Bible. And today we usually go with the gospel and we can do that, too. But I asked you, Mary, uh, the first reading of today's mass was from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. And so I'd like to ask you to give a little commentary because this is one of the chapters that fires me up. Well, again, I want to encourage everyone to read the whole book of Hebrews. It's profound, and it's awesome. Mm -hmm. And in this letter, the letter to the Hebrews, it says, Brothers and sisters, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin Mm -hmm. that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the leader and perfecter of faith. For the sake of the joy that lay before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame. He has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider how he endured such opposition from sinners in order that you may not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What? Powerful shedding stuff. Shedding blood? Powerful stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it might hurt a little bit, you know, and, and there are. Are we praying for all those Christians who are shedding their the blood? The Middle East is the, a lot of them. The Middle East, China, Africa. India. Saint India, Pakistan. Yep. Uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen, <laughs> venerable, yeah. said in his lifetime, said that the 20th century saw more martyrs yeah. for the Christian faith than all previous centuries put up to together up until that point. That martyrdom has continued into the 21st century. Are we willing to shed our blood for the faith? Are we willing to give up convenience? Are we willing to give up comfort? Are we willing to give up just going along with society, convention, in order to stand out and be Christ in our society and pray with our brothers and sisters who are suffering persecution and to the point of death, and they are. There are thousands of people are being martyred for the faith today, right now. And the deal is this. We are supposed to give up sin. That's the first thing here in the, in the first, the first um, sentence. We need to, to rid ourselves of every burden and sin. And what are these burdens we're supposed to rid ourselves of? Attachments to the things of this world. Mm-hmm. Attachments to our own ideas. Mm-hmm. Attachments to the way that I think it ought to be. Attachments to our perfect paradise. You know, Jesus suffered so nobody else has to suffer. Excuse me, Jesus didn't come to establish a perfect paradise here on earth. Suffering will end when we're in heaven with God, Mm -hmm. not here on earth. So we want to rid ourselves of these burdens of all our preconceived notions and then rid rid ourselves also of every sin 
Sin clings to us and it keeps us from God. Sin degrades us, people. You know, just give it up. Throw it away. And I might add, it's pretty obvious how we overcome sin is by going to confession. And I, I tell you this because many times I think, you know, when we go to church on a big parish with three or 4,000 families, and on a Saturday night you see a handful of people going to confession. So I'm just wondering if we're getting the message about what it, what St. John Paul II told us about going to confession on a regular basis. And I would encourage our listeners, if you don't go at least once a month, then that's not enough. Right. You need to be going at least once a month. And here's the deal. You don't, devotional confession, devotional confession, devotional confession. That means we go to confess not just our mortal sins. We only have to go to confess our mortal sins. Believe me, if you wait to go to confession once a year, you're going to be committing a lot of mortal sins and you're not even going to know it. You become indifferent. We be, our, our intellect is darkened and our weak will is weakened by sin. And so, and that's by not only original sin, we add to that through actual Personal, sin, yeah. the sin that we personally choose. Mm-hmm. And the deal is this, you know, some people, when they go to confession, it's like, okay, I go and confess my sins. Stop for a minute, examine your conscience, but most of all, look at the cross and remember, he paid this price out of love for me. I should be returning love for love. And in addition to that, it's an absolute necessary part of confession that we make a firm purpose of amendment. So if you are addicted to pornography and you don't get rid of the pornography in your house and you go to the the confessional and say, bless me, Father, for I've sinned, I looked at pornography. Well, if you haven't gotten rid of the pornography that's in your house or cleaned up your computer or put up firewalls or thrown the computer out, you haven't made the firm resolve to change. Makes sense. You have to make the firm resolve. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're addicted to alcohol, bless me, Father, for I sinned, I got drunk. Yeah, yeah, and I have a whole pantry full of whatever, beer or wine or... No, you've got to clean it out of your life. Whatever is the near occasion of sin has to be cleaned out. We have to make that firm purpose of amendment. And wouldn't that include our custody of the eyes? And I'm not talking just about... Uh, hardcore pornography. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about w- driving down the freeway yeah. or even uh, at a doctor's office and you see these magazines that are just popular magazines that the culture doesn't think any problems are there. Right. But you don't need to be looking at that. Right. So you say, no, I'm going to have custody of the eyes. I'll look at, I'll read my Bible or read my, right. my book that I brought with me. These are the kind of actions that we need to take place to keep us in the right direction right. with our Lord because the culture we're in is not going to support that view. No, it's not. And the thing is, by the way, you know, Hollywood people, we don't need to be looking at their movies and their entertainments. And what they're promoting on primetime TV in your sitcoms is the total degradation of the human person, Mm -hmm. the total rejection of all legitimate authority. And it's not Christian. And what is entering your eyes? It's going to affect your soul. What entertainments are you looking at? We don't need to be going to movies all the time. We don't need to be watching TV every day. We don't even need to be reading the newspaper and watching the news every night. Can I give a suggestion because Lent's coming up soon? Yeah. The money you save going to the theater, which I think is now 10 or $20. It's pretty expensive. It's expensive to go to the theater. <laughs> give it to the missions. Amen. Have masses offered for your priest at your parish. Amen. And offer that as a sacrifice during Lent. Right. And I, I'm not saying it's not 
legitimate to go to a movie. What we're saying is, it's the, what movie are you going to? Obviously, we're going to be promoting some pro-life movies that are coming out um, that are fantastic to communicate to people the sacredness of life. Right. We're talking about the movies that degrade the human soul. The human person. And, and again, what the way that people dress in the movies, the way they act, the way they talk to each other, and in your sitcoms, those sitcoms are really degrading to the human person. It's as simple as that. They're degrading to the human person. Well, Mary, why don't you really tell me what you think about the movies? <laughs> Mary, get back to Hebrews, and I want to back. I want to also after Hebrews. I don't want to forget the gospel after, because there's a beautiful right. reading there. But this whole gospel, this whole reading from he- Hebrews. Let's get back to where. And, and and what Paul what we're, Paul and I believe yeah, Paul is so the author of Hebrews. I think there's good reason that. to believe that. Yeah. But well, I, and there was disagreement. Saint Jerome didn't yeah. couldn't couldn't explain how Paul could have written it. Yeah. So he said the Greek is too is too uh, Paul's Greek wasn't that good. Right. But remember, Luke's Greek was excellent, and Luke was a secretary for Paul. So I mean, the ideas are definitely along the line of Paul. And you're not the only one. Doctor Hahn said the same thing. Yeah, I remember reading. So that. I mean, there's a lot of, but the reality is that he's telling us. What are we supposed to do? We are supposed to persevere in running the race that lies before us. And how do we do that? By keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Amen. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the leader, the author, and the perfecter of our faith. And remember, how did he do this? How did he endure the cross? Oh, by saying, oh, this is so wonderful. I love to suffer. Just beat me up, you know. No. In view of the joy. The joy in view of the glory that would be revealed in him. He was looking forward to the joy of being with the father in heaven Mm. and also the joy of the souls that would be saved because of his sacrifice. That's how he endured the cross. Beautiful, true story about a young lady who was dying and she was young. I mean, this she was in her early 20s and she was at terminal illness. She was very depressed. She was in the hospital. A priest came to see her. And she just said, Father, I don't want to die. I'm young. I don't want to die. And he said, well, would you do this? Do you think you might be willing to offer your suffering for someone who needs prayers? And she's like, eh, what you getting at? Well, you have a brother who's a priest, don't you? Yeah. Your brother asked me to come and see you and asked that if you would be willing to offer your sufferings wow. for his priesthood. Wow. And she looked at him and she said, well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you know, I mean, she wasn't real. Yeah, she was reluctant. But the deal was, and Father said, look, you can pray for a cure, and we'll pray for a cure. But in the meantime, will you offer your sufferings? Well, she died. She didn't cure. She wasn't cured. And she did die in about a year, I think it was. Maybe it was less. But you know what? Her whole life was transformed by that act of generosity. Her suffering had meaning. It had purpose. And this is why Jesus endured the cross. He saw the purpose. He saw the joy. And she came to know the joy of the Lord by uniting her sufferings to Christ crucified for someone else, her brother who was a priest. We call that a victim soul. She Amen. took on that suffering for the good of the church, her brother. And I bet his priesthood has been fantastic in reaching souls because she paid the price. She paid a price. When we come back from the break, we're going to get right back into the gospel. Or or do you want to finish? I just have one more line here that we got to get to. All right. Before we get to (laughs) Hebrews, we'll get, and then we'll get right to the gospel of Mark. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Don't turn that dial. We'll be right back with some more Bible reading from the Bible of the Barbers. (laughs) 
right back. This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. That's June 15th. When your husband comes back from this conference or your son, they're going to have a different view about their Catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love Jesus and his bride, the church, and are going to instill in them a love for Christ and his church, the Eucharist, Our Lady. Bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Sign up there or call 877-526-2151. Full sheen ahead. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment... Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So we're supposed to consider how to endure such opposition in order that we may not grow weary. Jesus endured the opposition. He endured it for us so that we wouldn't grow weary. We're living in very challenging times. You think? You might. I think so. But don't give up and don't don't forget. Mm -hmm. Always remember God is not defeated. That's right. The grace of Christ is still with us. We can still overcome sin. Amen. We have to struggle against ourselves, our own flesh. Our first enemy is our own flesh. And that tendency within us of inertia, you know, the body at rest tends to remain at rest until acted on by a force outside of itself. So we don't have someone yet threatening us to take our life if we practice our faith. So let's practice it diligently and fervently and shed not... Let's live the white martyrdom. We're not going to necessarily Explain live... Explain what white martyrdom and then red martyrdom. Red martyrdom is when you physically shed your blood that's for right. Christ. So that's what the people in the Middle East, in yep. China, and in India, and in Pakistan, 
in um, Africa, mm-hmm. that's the martyrdom they're suffering. They're, they're laying down their lives physically. They're being killed to, to witness to Christ. So they're red martyrdom. Their blood is being shed. White martyrdom is to lay down our life by giving up sin and living in union with God day by day, doing the duties of our state in life, whether they're, you know, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether we're, they're titillating or not, you know, the humdrum, as St. Teresa of Lisieux said, to ecstasy, I prefer the monotony of sacrifice. And that's what we're called to do. We need to sacrifice. We're not necessarily going to shed our blood, but we are to resist sin, even if it means shedding our blood. Dominic Savio made a resolve when he was 15 years old or 14 years old, mm-hmm. or maybe he was young. No, it was at his first communion. I'm sorry. Yes. When he made his first Holy Communion, Dominic Savio resolved death, but not sin. Yep. Are we willing to make this resolve or do we, we think other things are more important? Oh, you know, I can compromise with a little sin here and there. Death, but not sin. So let's move on to the gospel here. And in the gospel, we have the story of Jairus, the synagogue official, coming to ask Jesus to cure his daughter was on the point of death. And as he's going to Jairus's home, there's this woman who has a um, hemorrhage. She's spent her money at doctors. She's gotten no better. She's gotten worse. And she says, if I just come up in the crowd and just touch the tassel of his cloak, I'll get better. So she does. She comes up behind Jesus, touches the tassel of her cloak, his cloak, and she, she feels the, the, the sensation of being healed. And Jesus stops. And he looks around and, who touched me? And the apostles are like, Lord, are you serious? I mean, this crowd is pushing on you. They're hemming you in. What do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's touching you. And he said, no, (laughs) who touched me? And the woman realizes, and she comes forward, and she tells the whole truth. And Jesus says, woman, daughter, he calls her, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. And she's cured. And think about it in the Eucharist. You know, here Jairus and this woman are both putting their faith in the Lord. They have impossible situations. Jairus, his daughter is dying. She needs a miracle. This woman, she's done everything humanly possible to be cured, and it's not happening. There's only one thing left, and that's a miracle. Jesus works it for her. We receive Jesus in the Eucharist. We touch more than the tassel of his cloak. But are we aware of it? Do we pay attention to him when he comes to us in Holy Communion? Do we have the kind of faith that this woman has? He can heal me. Now, remember, like the girl who offered her life for her brother, the priest, and prayed for him, maybe our suffering has this meaning that it will bring salvation to someone else. So Jesus may or may not cure us. And as Ananias, Azariah, and Mishael, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, told the king of Babylon, look, king, we're not going to worship your statue. And if God wants to save us from your fiery furnace, he can do so. But even if he's not going to save us, we're not going to worship another God. Do we have this kind of faith? You want this kind of faith? Ask for it every single day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mary, what you're quoting now is from the Gospel of Mark. Correct? Correct. And this is chapter 5, so I want to bring everybody on the right page. If you're home, get that cup of coffee, and uh, if you need a little bit more coffee, we're going to be coming to a break in a few minutes. But 
I just want to have you open up to uh, Mark chapter 5. We're going through 21 to 43. Right. And thank you. And so then when they get, as, as Jesus is speaking to this women, woman, woman, the, um, the people from Jairus' house come and says, don't bother the teacher anymore, your daughter's dead. And Jesus doesn't say anything to them. He looks at Jairus and he says, um, do not be afraid. 365 times that's in the Bible. Do not be afraid. Go. Do not be afraid, you know. <laughs> go ahead. And, and, and yeah, take it to heart. Do not be afraid. God is with us. Amen. Do not be afraid. And he says, just have faith. Now, he only, he only allows Peter, and J- Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, to accompany him. He goes to Jairus' house. When he gets there, the flute players are wailing, and you know, and some of these people are professional whalers, by the way. They weren't. <laughs> I don't mean that they went out and caught whales in the ocean. I mean that they were professional mourners. Mourners, yeah. And he puts them out. He says, the little girl is not dead. She's sleeping. Mm-hmm. And again, death for Jesus is when we sin. When we commit a mortal sin and cast the life of God out of our soul, that's death. And just for clarification, many of us may have not have been brought up with the Baltimore Catechism or any catechism. Uh, mortal sin, how, Mary, would you just share with our viewers the characteristics of committing a mortal sin? First of all, you have to be dealing with serious moral Man. evil. Mm-hmm. Okay, it has to be serious moral evil. You know, a deliberate um, breaking of any of the Ten Commandments in, in such a way that you're showing deliberate disrespect for God and his law. Yep. Okay. Um, you have to know. It has to be serious. More. You have to know that it's serious. You've been catechized to realize, to know that, like, committing a, a, a serious sin is like abortion. You have to know. You have to know. You have to know that it's a serious sin. Yeah. You have to have sufficient reflection and you have to do it with freedom of will that you choose this act with your will. You're not being forced. You're not being coerced. You know, I'm not an advocate of taking all the women who've had abortions and putting them in jail. No, most of those women didn't want to kill their babies and they didn't know what they were doing. They were lied to. They were in a tough situation. They aren't giving full consent of their will. They don't even have full knowledge and they're being coerced. No, I, I'm, but I am for putting those doctors in jail because mm-hmm. those doctors know exactly what they're doing. Yep. Or pray that they have the nightmares that make them give up the doing of abortions because they know what they're doing and they were not trained to take life per se. They're supposed to be doctors. They're supposed to be people who help us <laughs> be well when we get sick. They're not supposed to be taking life for the sake of taking life. So... So that's what mortal sin is. You ha- it has to be serious moral evil. You have to know that it's serious moral evil. You have to sufficiently reflect on it, and you have to give free consent of your will. And if any of those elements are missing, it's not a mortal sin. You know, it's like my, my oldest brother was a little boy, and he, he, he was just really downcast one day, and my mom said to him, honey, what's wrong? And, and he said, oh, mommy, I, mommy, I went into grandma's house, and I stole a cookie out of the cookie jar. <laughs> and she's like, and if you had had your water pistol, it would have been armed robbery, right? She said, Bobby, no, it's okay. Grandma puts the cookies in the cookie jar for you kids to eat. 
She doesn't mean for you to have to ask every time you take them. But for a little child, that can be like a huge thing. It's like, oh my gosh, I went in there and grandma wasn't around and I took a cookie and I didn't have her permission. And, and, and you know, he was downcast about it. Sure. You know, let's, let's not make mortal sins where there aren't mortal sins. Mm-hmm. You know, be, be careful with your children. And I just wanted to clarify that yeah. because I think a lot of folks haven't been taught that today. Right. In our, in our church even. And what mortal sin does is it's mortal. Mortal means life, okay? It takes the life of God out of our soul. Because we're turning ourselves, we're turning away from God. We're turning our back on God. We're choosing a created thing, a created good over God. Yep. Very good. So, so Jairus is, they put him, Jesus said, no, she's sleeping. And again, when Lazarus died, he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I go to wake him. Yes, he's dead. His physically, his body and soul have separated, but his soul is in the state of grace. It's with God. God can reins- God can resurrect someone. He can, and he can recit- recitate someone. You know, bring them back from the dead. And this is what he does here with Jairus's daughter. He brings her back and he takes her by the hand. And it's so. I mean, Jesus was. There's the humanity of Christ is so real, and he takes her by the hand and he says. Little girl, I say to you, arise. Talitha kum. You know, this gentle action. And then he gives her back to his, her parents and tells them, well, give her something to eat. <laughs> She's been sick, you know. She's going to be hungry. Very practical, down to earth. Again, not a lot of fanfare. He doesn't allow a bunch of people to come in and watch this. You know, and, but, but the reality that God has the power. He has the power over life and death. And he has the power Give us the grace we need to live in union with him and to live a life free of sin, of all voluntary sin, if we're willing to ask. Are we willing to ask? You know, the Ted Bundy story about the girl who was protected by praying the rosary and somebody commented online, well, Blessed Mother wouldn't just protect her. I don't, I don't believe that would happen. Honey, how many people are there are asking for God's protection? Seriously, are you asking for God's protection? You know, you're, you're watching pornography every night. You're watching these horror films. You know, you, your mind is thinking about what all day and all night? Are you thinking about God at all? Are you asking for his, this young woman asked for protection. She had specifically asked God to protect her in obedience to her mother, by the way. It wasn't her idea. It was her mom's idea. Gee, mom, thank you. Because you know what? That may have been the the impetus to convert Ted Bundy because he did see a priest when he was on death row. And so, yes, ask God every day for the protection and ask especially for the protection from sin, but also ask for the physical protection you need in the world that we live in. When we come back, the final thought, and then we'll get to our, our other chapters of, of Mark. There's a statement here. It says, he gave strict orders <laughs> that no one should know this. That's what I want to ask the question. Why did Jesus say that? When we come back with the Bible with the Barbers. Also, I just want to thank all of the folks have, that have been supporting Virgin Most Powerful. We're just over a year old now. Thank you. Thank you so much. I uh, People who write in for questions and answers. Thank Mary you. Mary Danielle, she's the one who's answering all those. So thank you for doing that. And thank you especially the monthly donors. I say that yeah. not enough because the monthly donors that come in every month with their donations, that's what pays the bills. Yes. Our studio, the second studio, should be up next week because of a very nice donor who helped us finish the cost of 
putting that together with the new cameras, you're probably going to see a lot better camera. You're probably going to see my bold head even clearer. <laughs> but, hey, I want to thank you. And if you are not a monthly donor and you want to become one, just call 877-526-2151 or go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and you could become a monthly donor. So when we come back, I'm going to ask that question about the Gospel of Mark where it says he gave strict orders that no one should know this. What is it that he resurrected? He brought a little girl from the dead. He raised her up. Why is that? You're going to find out when you come back from this break. listener to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you already know about Hands-On Apologetics with Master Apologist Gary Machuda. And if you're a fan of Hands-On Apologetics, then we have some exciting news for you. This February, Sensei Gary will be leaving the Apologetics Dojo in Michigan to visit the Virgin Most Powerful Radio World Headquarters in Covina, California. And if you'll be in Southern California this February, we have more exciting news for you. Not only will Gary be doing his live show from our Virgin Most Powerful Radio studio, but he will be giving a live presentation on February 20th at 7 p.m. right here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. That's Gary Machuda speaking live on the topic of Breaking the Bible Barrier, Why Catholic Appeals to the Bible Fail, and How to Make Them Successful. For more information, call 877-526-2151 or visit virginmostpowerfulradio.org. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Uh, Brother Jesse, that was nice of you. Hey, uh, we had a, when we left the last segment, I made a promise. I said, let's ask the question to my wife from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verse 21 to 43. At the end of that gospel, when this is the one where, you know, Jesus resurrected the little girl. But he said at the end of this reading, he gave strict orders that no one should know this. And then he said, you know, give her something to eat. But 
it's an interesting question. Why did Jesus not want people to talk about this miracle, Mary? Well, the reality is that the Jews at the time were not expecting a Messiah who was coming to free them from sin. Mm -hmm. They were expecting a reestablishment of the Davidic kingdom, Mm -hmm. that they would have a king who would make them the rulers, at least of their Middle Eastern world. Mm -hmm. And this is not what Jesus came to do. He came to free us from the power of sin and to establish the kingdom of God, which would include all people of all times, the whole world over. But it's not a kingdom of politics and it's not a kingdom or of military. military. No. It's a kingdom where God rules in the heart of every man woman, and child, and everyone lives their life in union with God and for God. And so because they had the wrong idea, he had to tell, keep telling people, don't tell when I do these miracles, because people would think, oh, it, they would know, yeah, this is the Messiah. Obviously, this is the Messiah because of all he's doing. But they had the wrong idea of what the Messiah should do, and yeah. he wasn't going to do what they expected. So he had to keep them, no. All right, now do we go to what, Mark chapter 9? We're on chapter 9 in Mark, and, okay. and it starts out where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come in power. And then you have, in verse 2 following, um, you have the transfiguration taking place. Okay? That's verse 2 through 13. And it's interesting because, the first meaning of any scripture passage is the literal historical meaning. Is this a good principle to always go with? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. The literal historical meaning. That's the basis. And any other interpretation you give to that passage has to be based on that literal historical interpretation. That's what good Thomas principle. Aquinas taught. Yep. That's a great principle. So Jesus is saying there's some standing here who won't see death until they see the kingdom of God come in power. And then six days later, he takes Peter, James, and John up on a mountain, and he's transfigured before their eyes. And Moses and Elijah appear with him. They're talking about his exodus that's going to take place. They're talking about his passion that's going to take place in Jerusalem. And, you know, a, a cloud overshadows them, and the Father's voice is heard. This is my son. He calls him my beloved son. Listen to him. And, again, Mark is condensing He doesn't give you all the details that are present in Matthew and Luke. So if you want the full details of the story, you go to Matthew and Luke to get more filled in information. And after the father's voice is heard, they look around and they don't see anyone that Moses and Elijah have gone. The one thing, though, is Peter, when he sees this, he sees Jesus transfigured and he's like, oh, master, it is well that we are here. Let us make three booths, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And again, that mountaintop experience, okay, Peter and James and John are having a personal encounter with the divinity of Christ. Jesus is letting his divinity shine through his humanity right now, okay? And they're seeing his divinity. They're seeing his kingdom come in power in a a microcosm, you would say? Mm -hmm. And... Peter wants to just stay there. I mean, and that's, we have, you know, when you come to know God, you might have this encounter with him and you're like, Lord, I just want to stay here. This is, it, it feels good emotionally and psychologically. And, but more than that, spiritually, you're uplifted and you're just, it's like, wow, I could do anything right now for God. I could die for him. Well, 
could you? I mean, that's a wonderful moment, but now you have to go back back down to the plane and you have to do the day in and the day out of your duty. I would say many times our listeners have seen that when they go on retreat. Yeah. They yeah. get that experience that you just described. Right. They're fired up. Right. And then they come home. <laughs> and it's like all the resolutions we made, you know. It's like Peter, you know, he, here he is. He's, he's just carried away with his moment. And but But in the garden, when it comes time to lay down his life with Christ, instead of laying it down, he pulls his sword out. Mm-hmm. He was willing to die for Christ. Yes, that's Absolutely. Right. But he wanted to fight his way out. It was we would die fighting. You know, it would take a while before Peter would come to the point where he could lay down his life for Christ. So th- we need to remember that those moments in our spiritual life aren't going to be constant. And we're not always necessarily going to feel the presence of God. We're not always necessarily going to, you know, have that. Um, as a matter of fact, many of the saints went through periods where they yeah. felt revulsion for Mother prayer. Teresa's one. Yeah, they Mother felt Teresa. revulsion for prayer. They didn't. They felt like God hated them. And so they had to persevere. And when you feel those feelings, you have to remind yourself of the truth. Yeah, this is the feeling for whatever reason. Now, this is, it's a pers- it maybe a purification. Sure. Um, there's a lot in me that still needs to be purified. A lot of attachments I need to give up still. So God is allowing me to be purified of, my, of myself, my own preconceived notions of my idea of what it means to be a saint. And that being a saint is that, is living in the presence of God and doing your duty day by day, whether it feels good or not. I mean, believe me, I, it, when a mother's child is sick and has been sick for three days and you're getting up in the middle of the night to take care of that child, it doesn't feel good. But you know, my child's life depends. It's like, I remember when I was in labor with our first daughter. I do too. And it was a long labor. It wasn't, and they gave me Pitocin because yeah. they gave me Pitocin, yeah. get things going. And the deal was, I had one of my sisters asked me afterwards, well, how was your labor? And I was like, it was labor. You know, it's work. You have to work at it. I said, no, 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 no. How was your labor? And I said, well, it's interesting. During that labor, there came a point when I became focused on one thing. This is life or death. This is a work that I can't say I quit. I'm not going to do this. I'm done. I throw in the towel. I have to finish this work. Because one and possibly two lives depend on my finishing this work. Mm. No matter how hard it is, I have to continue this. And that's our soul. Are we willing to do the hard work when it starts to get tough, when we're tired, when we're exhausted? I, I know people have said this. And I, Mother Gabriella Biederlich, the founder of the Opus Angelorum, yeah. she struggled with exhaustion. And she asked Jesus, what is this exhaustion? Can't you heal this? And he said, Mother he said, he said, Gabriella, Gabriella, that exhaustion is the heavy bag of wheat that I want you to carry into the field every day to wow, sow. That's powerful. And so that's when we are struggling, when we don't necessarily feel the presence of God, when we don't necessarily exactly. see the light anymore, Lord, I will carry the, this bag of wheat even in the darkness, even in the darkness. Beautiful. So they have to come down from the mountain. And as they're coming down, Jesus tells them again, don't tell anybody about the vision until the Son of Man rises from the dead. And they're still, what is rising from the dead? Now, they, they, they saw him raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. It, you know, is that what he's talking about? They don't, and of course, this is, this is part of the secret that's hidden until the end, that he will die. He really will die, but he's not going to stay dead. So is that throughout the Gospel of Mark, he seems to have that theme? 
He has that theme of the messianic secret yeah. words. You need to keep things under wraps. You need to keep things quiet until once he's died and risen from the dead, then you'll see, now then you'll see the coming of the kingdom of God in power because the kingdom of God is the church. And once Jesus rises from the dead and gives the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit to the apostles, now they're going to go about doing the things he did, raising the dead and healing the lepers and curing the sick and the blind. But most of all, most of all, forgiving sins, not through their own power. In Jesus's name, they're going to be forgiving sins. They'll be baptizing people, regenerating people in Christ. When we're born, we have original sin. We aren't born with God's life in our soul. And by baptism, we receive it. And so the kingdom of God coming in power is the church carrying out the work of Christ throughout time until the end of time. And so we pray, we pray for the fidelity to continue to spread the gospel, the true gospel, without compromise. You know, Mary, this reminds me of what Fulton Sheen said, every action's like a blank check. I mean, it, it, it's made me think. We give it all, that's what our whole life is about, giving ourselves to God. Amen. Right? And I might add, since we talk about marriage on this Bible study a lot, that's the whole point of, of a, the marriage vows of giving each other to each other. And, you know, this is sanctifying God through our daily duties. So, you know, when people say to us, oh, I can't do this or I'm so... No, when we offer it all to God and ask for the graces to fulfill our duties in our state in life, this is essential. And I don't... I'll just bring it up. Our Lady of Fatima told us that. The duties of our state in life. This is the key. And so, you know, you might say, well, I want to get into some heavy Bible study. I want to get into some deep spirituality. You know, our life, you can. You want to be a scholar? Go ahead and get your master's. Go ahead and go and, you know, and do all that. So I'm all for it. But for most of us, it's a simple doing of our duty that sanctifies the day. Right. And again, to, to be a scholar, to get your master's degree, you only do those things as long as they don't interfere with the performance of your daily duty. Exactly. You don't do them because it's like, well, I want to be somebody. I want people to pay attention to me. I want people to listen to me. No. We want to be Christ to others, and we want Jesus to live in and through us. And so, like the apostles, they ha- we have to learn to put our own plans aside to cooperate with God's plan and to enter into his plan. And you know who did that the best? Mary. Mary. Beautiful Mary. And that's Mary. why I, brought, I just put Beautiful a book Mary. out today. It just came in, No Mary, No Jesus. And if you'd like to get a copy of my new book, if you like my book, How to Share Your Faith with Anyone, it's a bestseller for Ignatius. This book is all about stories of how Jesus Christ came into their life through our Blessed Virgin Mary. So you see the book that's telling me, put it up, put it up for the YouTube and Facebook. That's the new book, and I want to get it to you. And I'll especially those folks who want to get many copies to share, just call 877-526-2151. And we do ask for a $10 donation for the book, but you know, if you can't afford it, let them know. But if you want to give us a little bit more to get this book into people's hands about how Our Lady leads us to Jesus, that's what we're here at Virgin Most Powerful. You notice the title of our radio network? Virgin Most Powerful. Pray for us. we come back, we'll continue the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 9. Don't turn that dial. We'll be right back.
This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now are saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. That's June 15th. When your husband comes back from this conference or your son, they're going to have a different view about their Catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love Jesus and his bride, the church, and are going to instill in them a love for Christ and his church, the Eucharist, Our Lady. Bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Sign up there or call 877-526-2151. Full sheen ahead. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So here we are in chapter 9 of the Gospel of Mark at verse 14, and you have Jesus and Peter, James, and John coming down from the mountain after the transfiguration, and they come upon a crowd of people gathered around his disciples, and what happened was a man had brought his son to them. His son is possessed by a, a mute spirit. And he, they, the man asked them to exercise the spirit, and they're not able to do it. And so um, he says, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a dumb spirit. And whatever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams, and he grinds his teeth, and it becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were not able. And Jesus answers, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy, and then the spirit convulses the boy. And Jesus asks him, how long has this gone on? And he says, from childhood. And it casts him into the fire and water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus says, if "If I can, (laughs) if I can. All things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the, the child's father cries out, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. 
So the first thing Jesus does is to elicit from this man a profession of faith, that he really believes that Jesus can do this. I mean, how many times do we do that? You know, oh, Lord, you know, if you if you could do this, go ahead and do this for me. And then we throw up a prayer and, and, and we don't get the answer we want. And we say, see, God can't do it. It's like people know God can do it. Do we believe, you know, how long must I endure this faithless generation? You want faith? Ask for it. Ask for it every day. And and ask the Lord with faith. When you ask for something, Lord, I believe. Now remember something. Jesus wants us to get to heaven. God made us to be in heaven with him. So if I'm asking to win the lottery, well, you know what? That might put my soul in hell for all eternity. Yeah, he might, God does say no, by the way. Sometimes when we ask, he says no. You know, and that young woman who offered her life for her brother who was a priest, she prayed that she be cured, but she prayed more that her brother would have a holy priesthood and be a holy priest. And she offered her suffering for that. So what is the, you know, what is the subject of our prayer? Right. Do we, do, are we really praying for the right kind of thing? Or are we just praying to get more comfort in this world and to be made feel comfortable in this world and, and have all of our worldly things taken care of and we're not considering our souls and our immortal salvation? So Jesus does say no sometimes, but then again, are we praying with faith? Or are we saying, I knew God couldn't do it? Yes, he can. God can give us the grace to overcome sin in our life. Ask him. <laughs> and many times... We don't realize sometimes God says no to our prayer, but at the end of our life, when we see him, uh, the spiritual writers tell us that you see the beauty of why God said no. We don't see it sometimes in this life. No, we're not. It's very difficult. We don't see things from God's perspective. And and it's like the the tapestry. If you look, anybody who does needlepoint knows this. If you look at the picture, the way you're supposed to look at it, um, you see a beautifully it's all smooth and it all fits together. But look at the back where all the knots are Mm. and everything. It doesn't look so pretty from the back. And the same, our life, we see it. We don't see the the picture. We see the knots and all the tangles and all the, and it's like, how could anything, how could this, you know, make up anything beautiful and trust God, trust him. And so the little boy is cured because Jesus cures him. So, The apostles get in the house and they're like, well, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said to him, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. We need to pray and we need to fast. And one of the things we need to fast from is our own opinion and our own view of how we think things ought to be. And we also need to fast from a lot of the electronic media you know, I remember years ago, there was a priest who gave some talks, Father Ron Tangian, and he said 90% of the media, of all the secular media, is controlled by militant atheists. That's right. It still is. People who want to convince you that God doesn't exist and you shouldn't be believing in him. So if you're spending, you know, six of your waking hours. Well, here's the statistics on it, my love, because yes. I just got it. Over half of the waking hours, people are looking at computer screens. That's just the facts. Where are you getting your gospel from? How are you going to have faith in God? How are any of us going to have faith in God if we spend that kind of time with, uh, you know, show, what was it, John Bosco said, show me your friends and I'll tell you who, who you are? are. Yep. Well, if, if you're listening to all of this media and being bombarded constantly with God doesn't exist, God doesn't exist, subtly, they do this subtly, they don't do it outright, they do it subtly. 
and and it ideas have consequences and it will whittle away at your faith another suggestion i have i think would be quiet time before the blessed sacrament absolutely because that's when the graces really uh, yeah. flow and again don bosco remember the story when he asked the old man what do you say to jesus when you're spending so much time before the blessed sacrament and he responds I look at him and he looks, he looks at, me. at me. It's beautiful. And it's so, see how simple our yeah. faith is? Yeah. Yeah. And I think though, Mary, many of us are really busy. I get that. You know, we raised many kids and now we're in our senior years and we're able to spend more time in prayer than we had in the past. But I want to encourage at least once a week, as busy as you are, maybe on the way home from work, you had an adoration chapel near you, go make that visit to see Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And again, I think the rosary is such a beautiful prayer Absolutely. for us to meditate on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I don't say that once a week. I think that's a daily, daily, daily meditation. Absolutely. And it is. It's a, it's a scriptural prayer. We're supposed to think about not only the words, which do come from Scripture, mm-hmm. and what they mean, and what does this mean that God intervened in human history, that God made human history so that he could intervene in human history, mm-hmm. Um, that God would become man. God himself became man. And so we want to take time to meditate on these mysteries and bring your, you know, you bring your Bible along when you pray the rosary and look up, you know, the, the annunciation mm-hmm. and the visitation and, you know, the, 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 the luminous mysteries, the baptism of Jesus at the Jordan and the wedding feast at Cana and the proclamation of the kingdom and the transfiguration and the last supper. And then you the passion, you know, it, it's all there in the scriptures. And that's what we're meditating on the life of Christ. You know, if we know him, we will love him, but how can we know him? If we never spend time with them. I said that about you. <laughs> Funny thing. I, you know? I needed to spend time to know my wife. That's right. You got to get to know somebody and you're not going to get to know them if you don't spend time with them. Exactly. So spend time with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Bring your Bible. Bring your rosary. They go together. By the way, they're not opposed to one another. Nope. They're, they're, they're t- same coin, just two sides. And so we need to enter into that relationship with Christ to get to know him and don't put on any makeup. Just give yourself to the Lord the way you are. Amen. And like Father Calloway said one day, he was praying and, and he was like, Blessed Mother, I'm so dirty. I'm so ugly. I've done so many horrible things in my life. And she said, he said he had this sense within him as if someone was saying to him, Donnie, you don't need to be perfect to love me. Let me love you and my love will make you perfect. And that's her love is the love of God that God has for us. And the Lord says the same to us when we try and hide our sins and put on makeup. And it's like, no, I know, I know what your faults are, honey. I just want you to humbly admit that you need my help. The Lord says to us. And then he says, and if you will let my love into your heart, my love will transform you from within so that we become as mother Teresa, that little prayer that actually came from St. John Newman of Lord, live in me and shine through me, so to shine that others will see the light. The light, oh Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be from me. That his light shines through us so that others see the light of Christ through our lives, through what we do and what we don't do, by the way, through the entertainments that we do have and the entertainments that we refrain from because they take us away from the Lord. Beautiful. Mary, I just want to make a little plug again because Father Calloway, you quoted him. 
And he endorsed this little book, No Mary, No Jesus, because how Our Lady affected him yeah. in knowing Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, the stories in this book are powerful, personal, and life-changing. He said, I pray that these testimonies in this book will touch your heart and make you want to know and love one of the greatest gifts that Jesus has for you, his own dear mother. Yeah. Behold your mother, Father Don Calloway. I, I, like I say, if you want to call and get the book, it's, they just came in today. So nobody else in the whole world, planet, nobody except this one <laughs> I'm holding in my hand. You'd be the first guy on the block to get it. Call 877-526-2151. Mary Danielle, this scripture Bible study that you have, you also do it in the evening here at the Sacred Heart Chapel tonight at 7 p.m. Correct. Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. And for those who don't want to go out at night, they can come back on Thursday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Correct. To do the Bible study. Yes. Here at the Sacred Heart Chapel, downtown Covina. So if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come. Mary, what's the final thoughts for today's show uh, with the Gospel of Mark? Where are we leading? Where are we going? Well, we hopefully we're going to heaven. Amen. <laughs> so we got to live in the state together. of grace. <laughs> Amen. Together. We have to live in the state of grace. And we need to ask the Lord for more faith, hope, and charity every day. Go to confession on a regular basis. Admit our faults to the Lord and don't pretend that we're something we're not. God knows us, but you know what? He loves us. And as Scott Hahn always used to like to say, yeah, God knows us. God loves us exactly the way we are. And he loves us too much to leave us that way. Amen. That's he great. came to save us from sin. He came to free us from the power of sin. Do you know that when we sin, we're slaves of sin? And Jesus said, no slave has a permanent place in, his father's, in the Father's house. So we have to give up the sin. And it's interesting because our son, our 25-year-old son, he said something very interesting recently. He said, you know, God has this conundrum. He made people because he loves them. Mm -hmm. And he gave them these rules to follow because these rules were the, what was going to help the people to be happy and to bring them to eternal life so they could be filled with God's love. And so he tells the people they need to, cut, they need to keep these rules, the Ten Commandments, right? Mm -hmm. And these people hate him for it. God's conundrum, you know? So he gives us the rules that would make us happy, and we hate him for it. Maybe we need to change our minds a little. You think? Yeah. All right, Mary. Here on the Terry and Jesse show that was just before this show, we'd always end with what state you should be living in, Mary. The state of grace. And what state shouldn't you be living in? The state of moral sin. Not even for a minute, right? Not even for a minute. Go to Don't confession. Even Don't even stop there. Don't go to confession immediately. All right. Hey, I want to thank all of you here at the Virgin Most Powerful on our one-year anniversary. We appreciate all your support. We hope the next year is even going to be bigger and better. Matter of fact, I'll give you a secret. I'm meeting with another person for another radio show here at Virgin Most Powerful. Can't tell you what it is. It's a teaser. I'll let you know once we got the deal through. Hey, thanks again for listening and supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. May God richly bless you and your family. And I can't say it without Bishop Sheen and saying full Sheen ahead. Sheen ahead. Absolutely. All right, <laughs> there we go. The Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God love you. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests Oh, my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. 
Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.